Love is patient. Like not honking the horn when you're already 11 minutes late. Love is kind. It's doing all the chores so she can wake up to a clean house. It does not envy. Being truly joyful when your friend gets the promotion even if you didn't. It does not boast. Love does not remind your kid of his 20-game losing streak. It is not proud. How about we apologize more often? It is not rude. And let's not value a like over someone's feelings. It is not selfish. Love shares that last cookie. It is not easily angered. It breathes when it wants to scream. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not bring up the past, even though right now it'll be really convenient and totally win me this argument. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love doesn't get excited when people get destroyed online. It always protects. Love always stands guard. Always trusts. Always leans into the promises. Always hopes. Always sees what's possible. Always perseveres. Always gets up one more time. Love never fails. And it's always worth it. Well, hello, my beautiful family! Yowza! Hey, it's great to see you today, and uh, we're glad you're here at GT Church. And a couple things before we jump into the message today. First of all, we have some very special guests that are here with us this morning. Pastors Elio and Daisy from Brazil Academy of Faith, a church that we've partnered with there in Brazil. They're here as our guests. Would you stand up and just wave? Let's give them a great GT welcome. These are, these are Pastor Rod's mom and dad, and so they're here visiting. We're so glad that you're here today. The second thing is, I don't know if you were on social media this weekend at all, but you know that Friday night we partnered with MRI and with First Christian Church, and we hosted Tim Tebow's foundation, Night to Shine, here at GT Church. That was a night where, yes, and essentially what it is, is it is a night for people with special needs. It's a prom night for them, so they can come and get all gussied up and have a great meal and walk the red carpet and come in here and shake their groove thing. And uh, I tell you, it was an absolute magical night. And so I want to say to all of you from the GT Church family who came and who participated, who helped set up and who served during the event and then helped tear down and all of the things that it took to make this event an incredible night, I want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, thank you, thank you, thank you. You are absolutely a tremendous, tremendous group of people. And I tell you, you made me proud. You made me proud. And several of you have told me um, face to face or through social media, man, I didn't get to help. We were gone or I had to work. I wish I could help. We'll do the same thing next year. And so you can sign up. You can definitely um, be a part of it next year. It was, it just absolutely, you guys rocked my world. It was such a fantastic night. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Today, I came this morning to talk to you about the love of God that never fails, that never runs out, that you can always rely on, always depend on. And so here we are, four days. 
out from Valentine's Day, and I know that probably a lot of pastors today are talking about romantic love, talking about that, but I wanted to talk to you this morning about something that you can always, always count on, always depend on. Are you thankful that the love of God never fails, never fails? That video was all about the love of God. And so this morning I came to answer a question for you. I titled my message, what's love got to do, got to do with it? Yeah, I know you know it. And here's the thing, you're going to be singing it all week long. You know that, right? (laughs) That's what I titled my message today. What's love got to do with it? And the answer to that question when we're talking about God is everything. God is love. In case your neighbor doesn't know, tell them God is not just loving. Tell them God is not just loving. He is love. What's love got to do with it? When we're talking about our great, big, wonderful, amazing God, the answer is everything. It's all about his love. The Bible is, is simply this incredible love story of the amazing measures, the amazing lengths that the love of God displayed, how far he was willing to go so that we could have a relationship with him. What's love got to do with it? Everything. And sometimes, especially after you've been serving the Lord for a long time, sometimes we as believers, we can forget that that is the essential thing. Anytime you talk about love, you can be tempted to be distracted by other things that maybe things that you don't really understand or maybe things that aren't crystal clear in the Bible. But you will never make a mistake in defining our God when you talk about his never ending love, family. Love is so, so amazing. And so in Luke chapter 5, Jesus launches in and he starts talking about lost things. And it's important, and what I want to do today is, I, I told you that it's important whenever you're reading the Bible, that you keep in mind the original audience exactly who it was, these people that Jesus was talking about. What would their have sp- response been? to what they're hearing, and how does that translate to our modern times today? And so everywhere that Jesus went, Jesus attracted a crowd. And what was, what's always so very, very interesting to me is Jesus always attracted people that were not like him. The people who were least like him, the outcast and the dirty and the dredges of society, those people were attracted to the message that Jesus Christ was teaching. And so crowds followed him everywhere they went. And this particular passage says that the religious people, The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they they were always setting themselves up against Jesus, trying to trick Jesus. And it starts out saying that, look at him, what's he doing hanging out with sinners? Are you thankful this morning that Jesus is a friend to the sinner? Are you thankful for that? The Bible says that the religious people were upset that Jesus was hanging out with sinners and tax collectors. 
the worst of their society. And so Jesus didn't care what they thought about him. He wasn't trying to protect his reputation. Jesus said, I came for those people who are sick and who are hurting and who are broken. And so the crowds, when they would have heard him launch into these teachings about lost things, you need to know that they would have immediately understood that there would have been a lot of these teachings that they would have nodded their head and said, we understand what you're saying, Jesus. We get it. What's love got to do with it? Jesus answers this question in a gorgeous way for us today. So Jesus is teaching and he's saying, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And so all of the men in the crowd would have been like this. Yes. Yeah, we get that. That makes sense. That, that when you're watching your, your, your flock of sheep, if you lose one, sure, you go find it. Their idea wasn't like our idea is today. You know, our idea is kind of like this thing. It's like, well, if I have 100 of something and I lose one, well, I still have 99. So I'm not going to, you know, we can fall in that camp. And it's like, I still have 99. So I'm not going to worry about that one. Or we can fall on this side, family, which a lot of us tend to fall into. We don't really value something or someone until it's lost. And so we can fall in one of those camps. And so they would have agreed. They'd have been like, yep, that's what you do. You know, and a lot of the shepherds back then, the flock that they were attending wasn't their personal flock. Someone else owned it. And so they would have been like, if I lose one, I better go find it before the owner of this flock comes back. So they would have been in agreement. They would have been like, yep, we get it. And when he has found it, lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me. For I have found my sheep that was lost. And so they all would have been in agreement. Even the religious people would have been like, uh-huh, yep, that's what you do. You know, you go and find. But then Jesus threw a, curve, a curveball here. He says, just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 perceived self-righteous people who need no repentance, who think that we're all good, we make it happen in ourselves, we're, we're So Jesus is throwing a zinger here. He had them all agreeing, and then it's like, wait a minute. I'm, I'm also saying to you that one person who says, I know I'm a sinner. One person who says, I know that I don't deserve to be forgiven. Have mercy on me. Heaven throws a party when one person comes to that understanding. Then the 99, who sometimes Jesus referred to as whitewashed tombs, that they, that they really didn't understand what was going on. They thought it was all about the exterior. They thought it was all about them doing the work to earn what they get. Jesus says, one person who humbles themselves and says, I know I need a savior. Heaven rejoices over the one more than the 99 who were like, hey, we're just, 
We're doing what we feel like we're supposed to be doing. We're earning our way. We're doing our thing. And the religious people would have been ticked at this. Wait a minute. You've got us. So you're saying that everything that we're doing and we're following the law and all the stuff that all this hard work that we're doing, you're saying that the one idiot who decides to stray, the one sheep that gets himself into trouble and says, I'm sorry, heaven rejoices more over that idiot than over us who are here trying to do all the right thing. Jesus is like, yeah. Yeah. And that's incredible news for us this morning, family. Because the love of God doesn't always seem logical to us. What we like to do is we like to have us and them. We like to categorize people as us and them. Oh, these are the kind of people that I think I would hang out with. These are the kinds of people that I think are deserving of salvation or deserving of forgiveness. We like to have us and them. And Jesus says, I don't play favorites that way. Aren't you thankful, family, that Jesus will reach into the lowest gutter, that he will reach down, he will grab us, and he will rescue us from our sin and our guilt and our shame? Are you thankful for that, family? That the love of God, number one, family, the love of God surpasses our human understanding. That doesn't make sense that you would value the one more than the 99. And what Jesus is saying to us this morning is you matter to me. It may go against logic to keep pursuing you with my love. But the individual matters. You're not lost in the crowd to Jesus. He knows you by name, individually. You're not just a number. He loves you that much. Why would you leave the 99? What if a wolf came or what if a bear came? What? That doesn't make sense. The love of God he says, I care about the individual. I care about you as an individual. Doesn't make sense, but I'm thankful that the love of God surpasses our human logic. And then Jesus went on and told a story about a lost coin. And, and then he launched into this story that every man and every woman and every child, every family who would have been in this crowd listening to this story would have gotten. Jesus launches into this story about a very, very wealthy man who had two sons. And a lot of you might recognize this story, but I'm not going to assume that you know it. So I'm going to tell you some details. Very wealthy man who had two sons. One of the sons worked very, very hard to always do the right thing. Because he wanted to please his father, and he, he just worked very hard to follow all the rules and do what was right. And then there was the younger brother. How many of you have younger brothers? I got younger brothers. You know how they can be, right? And so the younger brother who started thinking that he knows more than the father. How many of raising kids, you know, when your kids get to that age, that suddenly you don't know nothing, right? Remember? Yeah. And so the younger son starts thinking he knows more than the father. 
And over a course of time, he builds up his courage. You know, he's the type of kid that would have been sitting at the dinner table with his earphones in. You know what I mean? Like the type of kid that wants to just be present there but not really participate. You, you get where I'm going, right? This would have been a slow walk away till one day he built up his courage to actually approach his father and say, hey dad, yeah, 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 I know. I know how the normal things go. I know that you, you've amassed this fortune and I know what I'm supposed to do is just wait until you die. And then when you die, dad, all your fortune, I'll get my share. But you know what? I think I know what's best for me. And so what I want you to do, Dad, is I want you to give me what I deserve now. What I'm essentially saying to you, Dad, is you're dead to me. Give me my stuff. And all of the people in the crowd would have gasped. And Jesus went on to tell the story that the father did a ridiculous thing. Instead of saying to that boy, boy, do you know I'll smack you? You know what I mean? The father gave it to him. He had the power to say, seize him. My son has lost his mind. If you read back further in the Old Testament in Leviticus, there's scripture that says, are there kids in here? There's scripture that says, if your kids um, rebel, stone them. Youcha, my youcha. We won't read that. We'll skip over that, right? <laughs> he could have said, seize him. My son has lost his mind. Get him. Lock him up until he comes back to himself. The father said, okay, son. He could have forced him to stay. But his father, which is a picture of our perfect heavenly father, is not looking for just a body. Our Father wants connection. He wants real relationship. And so this Father does something ridiculous. He's like, okay, son. Here it is. And so the audience, the crowd would have been just like, oh my gosh, the humiliation and the shame. And so... What happens? We're not given an exact time frame, but after some time, the boy spent all the money. And so all the money, he spent all the money carousing around and sleeping with prostitutes. And, you know, the Bible says in all kinds of riotous living and had lots of friends until the money ran out. You get where I'm going. And then the money ran out. And he finds himself laying in a stinking Filthy pig pen. And for Jews, you know, pork is not kosher. Pigs are like filthy animals. Like they don't touch pigs. They don't get. So he finds himself in a pig pen eating the slop of the pigs. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. And so the Bible says he came to himself one day. It's like, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? Like, 
I, I, I miss home. I wonder if home is missing me. I, there, my father has servants that are eating better than me. And so I, I wonder if I could just go back and if I could just say, you know what? I, I, I don't deserve it. Like, I just, just lose me with the rest of the servants. I'll, I'll do anything. I wonder. I wonder if I could just go home and just tell my father, just ignore me, but just let me... Let me be just one of your servants. I messed up. And the crowd would have been like, yeah, that's what he deserves. That's what he, yeah, yeah. But let's see how the father in this story responds. So the son arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt Yeah, now that all the money's gone, look who's coming, crawling back to me. Now that that he's squandered the whole fortune, now that he has messed up everything, look who finally decides that he doesn't know it. Jesus said that the father felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And you need to know that there would have been a gasp from the crowd at this point. He kissed this lousy, betraying, dirty, been laying with pigs. What do you mean he kissed him? What do you mean he embraced him? He deserves to be outcast. He deserved to be stoned. But what we see, family, is a picture of a father who day after day Sir, don't you think you should eat something? I'm not eating anything. I I just hope my boy is coming back. Sir, it's getting late. Don't you think you should go to bed? I'm I'm not tired. I just, where's my boy? I've just been praying and hoping that someday my boy would come back. Just, where is he, sir? You should probably rest. No, I won't rest. I won't. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He's waiting. There he is. There he is. And the crowd didn't understand it. The crowd didn't get it. This boy deserved to be disowned. But what Jesus is doing is Jesus is showing us this gorgeous picture that no matter how far we stray, no matter how we spit in the Father's face and we deny him, that his relentless, crazy love will always come and get us, will always believe the best of us. Crowd wouldn't have gotten this. What do you mean he kissed him? What do you mean? The son goes on. And I imagine he didn't even make eye contact. He just, he's just so freaked out and he's just like, he's like, Father, I've sinned against heaven and and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son what we do, right? I, God, you don't know how, how bad it is of what I've done, God. And I just, I, I just, God, I, I'll just go away until you, so you can be mad at me for a while, God. And then, then maybe after a little bit of time, God, just, uh, we get so focused on what it is and we start believing. How could God still love me? 
we back up this huge dumpster and we fill it with all of our sins. And we think, this is who I am. So the son said, no, don't. I'm not, I'm not asking. I'm not asking to be brought back into the family. I know that is, that, that, that's too much. I, I just, just let me get lost in with the servants. And the crowd would have been stunned. And why this is incredible news for you and I today, family, is number two, God's response to true repentance. God's response to true repentance will always, hear your pastor, always be love. And what do I mean when I say true repentance? Repentance means this life-altering, gut-wrenching remorse that you feel for what you've done. So much so that you're, you're, you, you just feel this gut-wrenching remorse that you agree with God that you've sinned against God and you've sinned against yourself or someone else that it makes you turn away from what it was that you did. You feel such remorse and you're so overwhelmed that God could still love you. That you turn away from what it was you were doing. You see, every time that you and I sin, it is always a sin against God. And what we like to do is we like to compare ourselves to other people. Well, at least I didn't do what she did. Oh, did you hear what he did? At least I'm not as bad as him. God is the standard when it comes to sin, not other people. So we need to get our eyes off of other people. God's response when People don't try to make excuses and say, well, but you don't know how I was raised and you don't know, well, I got myself into this because this happened to me. Like when we don't try to make excuses for what we've done, when we just say, look, I messed up, I broke everything, but God, here I am, have mercy on me, a sinner. God will always respond to you with grace and mercy and love because it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's his kindness and his gentleness that causes us to say, God, I have blown it, but here I am, have mercy. It's his kindness. We know that he won't give us what we deserve. It's his kindness. And so God's response will always be love. When we truly repent, not just hear, but when we hear and obey, when we hear and obey, his response will always be Love that casts out all fear, drives away, and covers all sin. Love. So I'm wrapping this up, family. What do you think the father did? Yeah, 
Sure, you're coming back now. <laughs> That's what we do, right? It's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, you're, 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 you're coming back now that all the money's gone. You're, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're told that the father ran and embraced and kissed him. And so the son would have been happy. You know what? Yeah, yeah, go on out. <laughs> Get going out there with the other servants. You know, I just, you can be here, but just make sure I never have to see you again. Okay, like you won't interact with us or whatever, but you can be here. Go. This last passage of scripture would have made the religious people mad because, you know, religious people want all the grace and mercy when they mess up, but they think we ought to pick and choose who gets grace and mercy for them, for those people. You get where I'm going? But we want it. Oh, when we mess up, give me grace, give me mercy. I thank God that he's not like us. The men in the crowd would have been furious, the religious men, when they heard Jesus wrap up with this. But the father said to his servant, his servants, bring an old nasty piece of burlap. Just grab one of those blankets off one of the cows or one of the... The father said, I want you to scour this house. I don't care what rock you have to turn over. I don't care if they had attics or cellars back then. I want you to search this house and you find the very best robe we have ever had made. And I don't even want him to, to do the work of dressing himself. I want you to find the very best that we have in my house and I want you to put it on my boy and find the signet ring that symbolizes our family. I want you to find a ring and I don't even want him to labor to do this. I want someone to put my ring on my boy because he's back and I'm just beside myself. Put my ring on my boy. probably lost his shoes somewhere along the way. So get him the best shoes you can find. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son, was dead. And it's important that this is not lost on you. The father never said to the son, you are dead to me. It was the son who went to the father and said, you are dead to me. Give me all my stuff. The father would be pretty crazy if he actually thought his son was dead and was still out there looking, wouldn't he? Even when we turn our back on God. I want you to see the picture this morning of your father looking. She'll be back. She's coming back, I know it. He'll be back. I'm just waiting, I'm just waiting because he'll be back. Yes, yes, yes. He was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. The men in the crowd, the religious men would have been just like, well, this is the stupidest story I've ever heard in my life. Why didn't he get what he deserved? And this reminded me, 15 for me, you guys, was the worst teenage year. I don't know about for you, but when I was 15, that 
was the worst year. That was the year I got in most trouble. And like, I'm like, I'm a man now and I want to be treated like a man. And, and my mom and dad are like, mm hmm. You know, it's like, I want to be independent, but I can't drive because I'm only 15. I want it, I, I know it all. And I, I got my daughter's permission, my daughter Brielle, to tell this story. When she was 15, 15 was her roughest year when she was at home growing up. She'd gotten in trouble several times that year. And I remember she'd gotten in trouble and we were down in the basement talking. And that might shock you because you guys think all pastor's kids are perfect, right? Yeah, and then you, re you remember I'm a pastor's kid and so that's out the window. <laughs> pastor's kids aren't perfect, trust me. So we're down in the basement, just her and I, and we're talking and I'm like, babe, what's going on? Like, why'd you do this? And why'd you do that again? And what's happening? Well, you, you know, because you did that, it means this. And because you did that, there's consequences. But, but you know that I love you with all my heart. And she stopped me. She's bawling. And she stopped me. She's like, Dad, why? Why do you still love me? I keep messing up. Why do you, like, when you say that, it's hard for me to believe. Why do you still love me? And, of course, you know the rock that I am. I start bawling myself at that point. And I'm like, baby, because you're mine. You're mine. You and Nico and Mom are really the only things I own outright. You know what I mean? Like, you're, you're mine, you know? And, and you could just tell that what that meant to her. And I came with that great news for you this morning. What's love got to do with it? Everything. Because I know all you can see is your failures. And I know all that you can focus on are the mountain of mistakes that you've collected over your lifetime. I know that's all you can focus on. And it's like, how could God love me when I've done this? And the greatest answer I can give you this morning, family, is number three. God's love for us is not because we've been good, but because we're his There'll never be a time where you want to go before God and say, all right, I've done it. I've earned it. Give me what I deserve. Don't ever do that. <laughs> His love for us has never been about, look at me. I did it. I've earned it. I've deserved it. I got this Christian thing down now. <laughs> His love for us has always been strong enough to surpass our good days and our bad days and our ugly decisions and our stupid secrets and our... What's love got to do with it? Everything. Everything. God is not just loving. God is love. That's a good place to clap. Yeah. Pastor Matt, you got to be careful because if you talk like that, if you leave it there, then people, it'll be cheap grace. If you leave it there, then people were thinking you're, you're giving them a license to sin. How many of you know I've said it before? We don't need a license to sin. We all do it. You, God's love for us has never been about our ability to consistently love 
Him and consistently always do the right thing. It's always been Him crazy in love with you. It's always been Him saying, you blew it, you messed up, but I'll pay the price. How many of you are thankful this morning that God's love, that God's love doesn't leave us at our lowest? We've all experienced man's definition of love. Here today, gone tomorrow. There have been some horrible atrocities committed in the name of love. I know women who have been beaten only to have their husband turn around and say, but I love you. Genocide in the name of God. I wanted today, four days from Valentine's Day, I wanted our focus to be on a love that transforms a love that never fails, a love that never runs out, a love that never changes their mind, a love that heals all wounds. What's love got to do with it? Everything. Would you bow your head and close your eyes, my family? God, we thank you for your love. And it's our prayer, it's our desire this morning, Jesus. It's my number one desire that you would drive this message deep into the spirit of everyone that's here. That nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. That is truth. Nothing can separate us. Your love overwhelms it saturates even the broken and dry places in our lives. It's always been about your love for us, God. And we are so thankful. If you'll keep your head bowed and your eyes closed, maybe you're watching at home this morning, or maybe you're here and you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. I'm going to say a prayer and I'm going to invite you to say this prayer after me. This is you becoming a Christian this morning. Would you say this? Would you say, dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I ask you today to come into my life. Take away the guilt. Take away the sin. Take away the shame. From now on, Jesus, I belong to you forevermore in your name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand up with me today, my beautiful family? What's love? got to do, got to do with it. <laughs> While, uh, yeah, I know you know it. I know you know it. Yeah, yeah. Listen, family, it's always been about love. And the love of God will never disappoint, will never run out.